Hey everyone, welcome back to the World Through She podcast. Today I'll be talking all things Morocco with my travel buddy Shiva. Hi everyone. Me and Shiva visited Morocco together in January 2020 and, and we traveled to five different areas in the mid to northern part of the country all in only eight days. So it's safe to say that we saw a lot, but our sleep on the other hand definitely suffered. Anyways, our trip was a little rough. It started out in Casablanca, and we got there super late, around 11.30, and it felt like a ghost town. Oh, completely. <laughs> and funny is I had completely forgotten about our first night in Morocco, and I don't know if it was because we got there so late or because it was so sketchy, but either way, like my brain just completely blocked it out. It Something was, you uh, wanted to forget. <laughs> right. I mean, we were dropped off by taxi have it basically an abandoned strip mall and our airbnb host picked us up there and drove us to the actual airbnb but the entire time sheila and i were just like are we going to be abducted or something yeah (laughs) i mean do not go to casablanca that late at night we slept with forks and knives next to our bed but we're still glad that we visited because the next day we got to visit hassan II mosque which is the largest functioning mosque in africa it was really, really incredible to be there. Um, it was a completed construction in 1993, and it's actually the seventh largest mosque in the world. And it was just absolutely stunning from the inside and out. Yeah, and right when you walk into the mosque, you see this beautiful prayer hall. It has huge arches. The arches all have engraved like floral designs with such intricate detail. They also had glass chandeliers everywhere and both the roof and the floor were made of marble it was absolutely stunning Mm -hmm. and it was at the very beginning they had us you know put on these um put on these funny little uh shoe coverings you know to make sure that like yeah keep the mosque very clean and in line with the tradition we went pretty early and i was actually surprised that it wasn't crowded at all that is definitely one of my recommendations for morocco is to go to Casablanca and see this amazing mosque. That was also the first time we got to experience tagine, which is a slow-cooked Moroccan stew. And if you go to Morocco, it's going to be everywhere. And you guys, it's delicious. I can't even <laughs> describe how good it is. I mean, I think we had tagine maybe like five to seven times <laughs> during our entire trip there. I, yeah, I think we literally got one each day. So <laughs> yeah. We got an eight through our eight days. Anyways, after Casablanca, we went to Rabat, which was surprisingly one of my favorite areas. The streets were so cute and it had more of a local vibe than Marrakesh, but felt much more safer and comfortable than Casablanca. So it was kind of like the perfect mix of things. And we stayed in Riyadh Marhaba, which was also one of my favorite Riyadhs during that entire trip. It was so beautiful. It really was. We had such a gorgeous view from the um, the top of the Riyadh. We were, it was a rooftop, and we were able to look out onto the entire city. And it was it was so stunning. It reminded me a little bit of like Aladdin's Agrabah, but in real life. <laughs> I could see it. I could see it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was is such a beautiful sight to wake up to. Have our Moroccan breakfast with the tea, coffee, jams, bread, and just enjoy. So. There are a lot of beautiful riads all across Morocco, but I would say that one was my favorite one that we got to stay in. 
Another thing we did in Rabat was visit the Hassan Tower and the Mausoleum of Muhammad V, which are two really historic sites and conveniently they're right across from each other. The Hassan Tower was supposed to be a minaret of a mosque that was never completed because the architect died before he could finish it. And so now it just stands as this beautiful tower surrounded by columns. It's It was so large and it's, it, it really kind of crazy to think about how how much manpower was required mm -hmm. to, to build something that large back back during that time um because i mean without like the luxuries that we have today of technology and and how we build things but like they were able to construct this large tower that was like what 20 times the size of us if not if not more i mean it was so huge yeah, and the mausoleum is basically a masterpiece of modern Moroccan architecture, and it holds the tomb of King Mohammed V, of course, and his two sons. Which brings me to my next point. The whole plaza is guarded by local police, but the mausoleum specifically has more guards inside than, I felt like, than in the entire plaza, which I thought was really funny, because what can people steal in there? Like, the thousand pound tombs. I mean, unless his riches are still, or his golds and stuff are still buried with him. But I mean, I would suspect that's like in a museum somewhere. But the plaza is a must see. I would definitely recommend stopping by there if you go to Rabat. After that, we headed to Fez and on the way we stopped at Meknes and Bulubidis um, to see the historic Roman roots. She was laughing at the way I'm saying it. But we saw some historic Roman runes there Honestly, looking back, I probably would have skipped that part, especially because there are much more impressive and historic runes in Greece and Italy, but it was still cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was it was kind of interesting to see. I mean, you know, you don't really associate like ancient Roman ruins with Morocco, if you're just thinking like very generally, but then... Um, yeah, it was interesting to know that like they were there and that there was history that happened in that in that space. Um, but I mean, for the most part, I didn't really get that much out of it as well. Yeah. Okay. So moving on to Fez then. Yeah. We stopped by the leather factory, which people don't tell you this, but it smells so bad. We had to hold mint up to our nose so we didn't smell the disgusting smells. <laughs> It really was so smelly. Yeah, but it was really cool to see um, the coloring of all their jackets and other items. And everything comes from natural products like saffron, henna, poppy flower, mint, all of the list goes on. And we couldn't leave without leather jackets. I couldn't leave without some saffron slippers. If you do end up going to buy um, leather in Morocco, then definitely know that there is room to haggle some of the prices too because we did quite a bit of that but it was also really cool to see like a, a, a whole factory you know of like an entire community coming together and like being supported with such a um with such a unique product that's made like sustainably and really um it, i don't know it was nice to feel like you know you were supporting part of the local community and yeah. such leather products and i mean i love the jacket that 
that I ended up getting. And it's also, um, apparently we learned you can test the quality of leather by putting it up to fire because um, leather shouldn't burn immediately. So the guys who had sold us our jackets kept putting up a lighter <laughs> while we were wearing our jackets. And initially Sheila and I were just like, oh, we're going to burn. But no, it was yeah, fine. Yeah, honestly, at first we were like, no, thanks. We don't want you to put fire on our jackets. <laughs> He would not let us leave before showing us that those were real leather jackets and they will not burn in a fire. Um, my favorite part about Fez was actually going to, to the ceramic factory, Art Naji, because it was a peek into the daily life of factory workers. And we got to see how talented they are and how much of a variety goes into building all of these different products like vases, plates, tagines, bowls, everything. I mean, we saw the entire process from start to finish, including pottery wheels and artists who were hand drawing such intricate details on all the products. Some of my favorite souvenirs from, from that trip is actually from Art Neji and getting the ceramic plates that were all hand painted and really beautiful. Yeah designs. They're absolutely gorgeous. We talked to artists who had been painting ceramics since they were children. One in particular, um, he had a photo of him as a child painting so ceramics, but kind of still painting. And he ended up like painting on our hand and they were so friendly and so nice to kind of let us into their, let us into their world and kind of see how, what the process is like in creating all of these amazing pieces. They, they were definitely very welcoming. But the million dollar question, Shiva, is have you used the tagine that we bought there yet? <laughs> I have attempted tagine once and it did not turn out anything like we had in, um, in Morocco. So I think a second attempt is definitely needed. We also visited Chefchon, which that city is a must. It's so cute. The whole city was painted blue. And it's funny because it was actually painted blue to keep the mosquitoes away, but it adds a vibe to the whole city that is just calming and everyone is so relaxed and friendly. Yeah, no, Chef Chuan was so beautiful. And um, it was, we also ended up going to, uh, I mean, I guess their, their main source of water for that community because there are still people to this day um, who like have lived there for generations and generations. Um, well, I guess not the people have lived there, but their families have been there for generations. <laughs> and it was just really beautiful. I mean, all the blue everywhere was so gorgeous and everyone was really sweet. Sheila and I woke up really early in the morning to try and get a look around in the city before before much of the place had really kind of woken up. So we were able to catch like the local bakeries and smell, smell them preparing, you know, their bread in the morning mm -hmm. and catching the morning light um, reflecting off the blue and off of the water. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the Moroccan version of Mykonos with all the blue walls and houses. And there are a lot of great photo opportunities there. My favorite was actually in someone's front porch. It literally had tea sets, a curtain, a bunch of flowers everywhere. They actually charge money to get a photo there, but it's only 50 cents in US currency. I don't remember the name of it, but I was able to find the address. It's 192 Hassan 1. So if you want to go, just remember that address. And honestly, if you ask any locals, they'll probably be able to tell you where it is. One last thing I want to mention in Chef Shon is the Plaza Uta Al Hammam, which is pretty much the center of the city. And it has a lot of great restaurants, cafes, and street food. 
But my favorite part about it is that you have a view of the Grand Mosque with a mountain in the background. And so looking at it while you're drinking your morning tea or your afternoon tagine is so incredible. Our last stop in Morocco was Marrakesh, and my first impression of it was, one, there are so many alleyways that look exactly the same, so it's easy to get lost, and two, locals will definitely help you out with directions, but they'll expect you to give them a very generous tip, even if it's, like, two doors down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think as as the country is growing in, in tourism, a lot of the locals are kind of viewing this as a um, way to make easy easier money but they're very very persistent about it and so like it's just it's just really helpful to be prepared before you leave your house and um know where you're going yeah and there are a lot of like small alleyways there so it's really easy to get lost there mm -hmm. I, like you have to study the maps you have to like make sure you know exactly where you're going otherwise i mean it's pretty easy to get lost we had a local with us and we still got a little lost getting to our Riyadh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, try to like remember landmarks or like specific shops and, and corners. And Definitely. Um, another super cool place to visit, or I guess I haven't talked about any places to visit there yet, just being careful. <laughs> but El Jardin Mayorel is a beautiful garden. It was designed by, I, Shiva, do you want to say who it was designed by? Yves Saint Laurent. Okay, that, yeah, that person. <laughs> and the garden has so many vibrant colors. It's very blue, yellow, like very Instagrammable for those of you looking for some good pics. Um, my favorite part about Marrakesh was experiencing the night market, Hema Elfina Square. And we had fresh pomegranate juice, delicious street food, desserts, and bought some cool items from the local vendors. Actually, now that I think of it, I bought my saffron slippers from there. But even the even at the night market, locals were sitting down casually eating dinner. It's so fun to see the hustle and bustle of that square. Totally. It's like a standard what you would expect from a Middle Eastern bazaar. Just like this large open square, lots of restaurants and like local small shops everywhere. Kind of um, a lot of uh, similar items, you know, and yeah. lots of like little evil eyes everywhere. Lots of slippers, leather materials. Um, like perfume holders, um, so pretty. Lots of lots of beautiful scarves. Um, yeah, the, there was just so much that is like classic Middle East, mm -hmm. uh, classic Middle Eastern materials. Yeah, and Middle Easterners love pistachios, so we got these pistachio bars that were so good. I even brought some back for friends and family, and literally they're everywhere in the market. There are so many vendors that were selling them. Absolutely delicious. I think I had one that was just like sesame seeds. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was one of them. But the pistachio was hands down my favorite and the most memorable. Um, if you're looking for a fun bar to visit, we went to Africa and Chic. And it was very lively, had multiple artists singing throughout the night. And we even saw the Moroccan version of Kirby Jenner there. <laughs> Which I still to this day have no idea who that is. And lastly... We have to tell our hammam story, Shiva. My favorite story. <laughs> so a Moroccan hammam is like a public bathhouse where you go to clean and exfoliate your skin. 
and they use a glove called a kise, which is very common in the Persian culture too. So me and Shiva are pretty familiar with it. So we didn't think that this experience would be too far different than what we've already experienced. Definitely. I mean, I remember stories of my mom telling me about um, how moms, which are which are public, um, public bathhouses um, mm -hmm. in Iran growing up. And we were like, we have to try this out. So Sheila and I, you know, make appointments to uh, to go to the hammam thinking, you know, we're just going to go in and have like individual spaces and we'll come back and feeling a little bit like a spa or something. So we go in there and the lady at the front desk hands us robes and tells us to get naked. And they also just <laughs> shared with us like a piece of paper, what felt like a piece of paper, like underwear to put on. And like, that was supposed to be it. <laughs> that was it. That, that was, was all that was underneath our robe. And we were like, okay, that works. It, it's fine. But then the lady took us into a tiny little sauna and she took both of us in there. And at first we were like, this is kind of weird, but we just went with it. And the next thing we know, this lady is taking both of our robes <laughs> off as we're facing each other. And <laughs> like, we kind of went into shock because Shiva and I have traveled to a lot of countries together, but we've never seen each other naked. So we're just standing across from each other. And we just could not stop laughing. We just ended up having this giggle fit. So the hammam, um, the, the room that the lady took us in had two separate like stone beds. And basically there was a, there was a fountain in, the, in between these beds. Um, and she would grab water from the fountain and pour it on us to to get our skin like soft and ready to be exfoliated with like with the soaps and the scrubs and we were in there for what feels like a full hour just laying I there. I think we were in there for an hour. The funny thing is so she could only like exfoliate one of us at a time <laughs> so while one of us was being exfoliated the other one was just sitting there doing nothing pretty much. <laughs> just laying there. If you are going to a hammam, just be prepared, whether it's friends or strangers, you'll probably see some naked bodies. Yes. <laughs> have that expectation going into it. So a few more things before we wrap up. Um, Morocco is known for its oils, so do not leave without it. Olive, argan, all, all the oils. Foods you have to try. We already talked about tagine. Our favorite, or at least my favorite that we tried was in Casablanca, and it was the plum and lamb one. It's like the perfect mix of sweet and savory, but we like every region has their own take on tagine. So there's a lot of different flavors to try. I loved Makuda. I have a Moroccan restaurant right down the street from me and they serve the most delicious Makuda. So I was on a mission to find Makuda there and it was actually kind of hard to find. Mm -hmm. but, it was really hard to find. Yeah, but I loved it. Um, and then Moroccan barbecue. You wouldn't expect Moroccan barbecue to be as amazing as it is, but you have to try it and they will bring you cumin and salt to your table when they bring you the meat. So Trust just me. be prepared to dip it in both of those. And although we didn't visit it during this trip, the Sahara Desert is one of Morocco's most famous attractions. So if you have more time, I would highly recommend seeing it. And Actually, parts of The Gladiator, which is my favorite movie, was filmed there. So I'm bummed that we couldn't see it, but we're going to go back to go see that. To summarize what we just talked about, Casablanca is a little sketchy at night, but the Hassan II Mosque was well worth the visit. 
Tagine is a very common dish in Morocco. Eat it as much as you can because each region has their own specific spices that they use. Rabat has a very cute town vibe and is much less touristy than Marrakesh and more safe than Casablanca and other areas in Morocco. While you're there, visit Hassan Tower and the Mausoleum of Mohammed V. Chef Shon is Morocco's blue city and was one of my favorites. It's a great place for photos and the blue walls and houses really provide a relaxing vibe when you're there. Visit Ota Al Hammam Square when you're there too. In Fez, head over to the leather factory to see how they color their clothing items and then to Art Naji to see how they make mosaics, tagines, and other household products. They're all gorgeous, by the way. In Marrakesh, El Jardin Mayorel is so beautiful to visit. It's also very Instagrammable. The Hema El Fina is the market in Marrakesh. Definitely go there, grab food, do some shopping, and or just experience the Moroccan lifestyle. Also, don't forget to know your way around Marrakesh. If you're going to do a tour around Morocco like we did, make sure you have a great tour guide or driver. We used Morocco Vacation Tour and our driver Rashid took us everywhere, made sure we had a great experience, and made sure that we were safe at all times. Shiva, thank you so much for joining this episode. And everyone listening, if you want to see visuals, head over to my Instagram and check out my Morocco highlight. You could also DM me with any additional questions. Thanks for listening!